All right, mamas and dadas, this one goes out to you. We can't be the only entrepreneurial family in America that's having a hard time with the old back-to-school transition. Truth be told, we always have a hard time with the back-to-school transition because our children have been raised in an entrepreneurial house and they don't like to go to the factory every day. They would much prefer to be in their basement workshop making games, playing Legos, playing Minecraft, making videos, making cookies, making money, you name it. Anything that allows them to make and be creative is something that is fun and up their alley. Anything that requires them to sit still for long periods of time and follow the directions of others while getting along with their peers is not. So this is the time of year when I remind myself and all of you via podcast land about some of the entrepreneurial traits that when they show up in kids are mm, a little bit tricky to navigate in day-to-day academic life. It's also probably a good time to brush up on our kids' mental health knowledge so that we can understand their defiance, their tantrum, their general grumpiness as the sign of what it is, which is generally some transitional stress. So today's podcast is all about the theme of transitions and kids. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Truth be told, school has probably been one of the hardest parts of parenting for Rob and I. Of the kiddos that we're raising, two very much do not like school, one tolerates it. All of them probably prefer the level of flexibility, freedom, and creativity that they have uh, hanging around our house. So in my darker moments, I'm a little bit nervous that we're raising kids who won't be able to, you know, jump into society in a meaningful way and will be tempted to live in our basement. So I'm already telling them that there is an expiration date on their basement access. The more that I talk to other entrepreneurial families, though, the more that I realize that this isn't an issue that is unique to the Walling household. The values that drive Rob and I and the way that we conduct ourselves and our businesses, our personalities, the ways that we've set up our lives, all of those things would make it pretty difficult for either of us to go and get sort of a standard eight to five government job. We've both embraced entrepreneurial risk, and put in the long hours into building businesses that create, frankly, lots of flexibility and freedom. We both really work hard, but we also have all of the benefits of entrepreneurship in that we decide how we use our time. We decide when we want to go to the gym. We, to a certain extent, decide what priorities we want to emphasize within our business and what tasks we want to do in a given day. And so I I think it's important to recognize that that way of living, like the level of self-responsibility and and self-governance and self-regulation that we exhibit in our kind of day-to-day reality is being modeled for our kids. You know, our children have never known parents who have gone to work 
40 hours a week, eight to five, they've actually never seen that because although Rob and I have both worked a variety of jobs over the years and I've worked in VA hospitals and had fellowships and postdoctoral positions that required me to work like sort of very rigid hours. Not since our children have grown into an age of awareness, do they have, they have no memory of that. So that's one of the school challenges is that they sort of see this way of living modeled at home and then they go to school and they don't have the same level of flexibility. Attendance is required. It is pretty rigid. People tell you what to do. There's not a lot of flexibility or flow in terms of how you organize yourself if you are a middle school or high school student. And believe me, I know there are lots of different educational options. Our kids have been in homeschool. They've been in Montessori. They've been in charter schools, been in private schools. We've kind of gone through the rigmarole. Did I mention that school has been a little bit of a challenge for us? But for a variety of reasons, we are in a place right now where the kids are in kind of traditional public school. And it's rough. The schedule itself is rough. The getting up, the going, the being there all day, every day. It's not what any of them would prefer. And it's really, I don't think, super in line with what's reasonable from a child development perspective. I think that children's mental and physical health is better when they have a lot more flexibility. And certainly they have a lot more movement. One of the big challenges with school as it exists in America today is it's just a lot of sitting. There's some movement at recess. There's some movement at lunch. PEs kind of touch and go in terms of how much actual movement happens. And frankly, that's just not good for bodies. It's just not good for brains. And it's pretty terrible for mental health. So the experience of school can feel kind of like a slog of trying to just override your body's desire to move and your mind's desire to curiously explore something that piques your interest. Thankfully, our kids are in schools that have pretty excellent culture around social and emotional development. So they're getting a lot of training and support in self-regulation so that they can better manage those impulses to get distracted or to get up and move. And they're getting lots of coaching and help around how to be part of a community and how to build age-appropriate friendships and be part of a learning experience, a learning classroom. They have wonderful adults around them who are pouring into them and who are committed to them being calm and stable and happy and relatively well-adjusted. So while I think there's a lot of challenge with school, I'm not at all opposed to school. Obviously, my kids are going to school. But I'm especially empathetic to the contrast between, as I said, our lives and theirs. And I'm also especially empathetic to the fact that a lot of the things that we really reinforce and celebrate and try to cultivate in our family life are not necessarily as celebrated and cultivated in the school situation. So they are getting... Uh, some mixed messages or at least an emphasis on one way of being at home and then a different emphasis when they go to school. So specifically, I think some of those points of friction come into play when we talk about being a problem solver or a non-linear thinker, when we talk about trying to be creative and to think about innovative solutions to problems that you observe. Those are things that we praise and pursue at home and while they certainly are valued in some times and place within the school day, innovative thinking is not usually sort of top of the list for your sixth grade math teacher. So I think a lot of entrepreneurial families where one or both parent is 
running and growing a business can experience a little bit of this disjointed, sometimes all the way to whiplash, where kids are really seeing a couple different sets of values embodied in their school life versus in their home life. And the best strategy that I have for that is really to make it an open conversation and to affirm that one way of being at home does feel really different than the way or the things that are asked of you, the things that are emphasized at school. Naming the differences, allowing kids to be self-reflective enough to notice that it feels a little odd and giving them language to help describe what they're feeling. That kind of conversation also helps with some metacognition. It helps kids recognize the ability to think about how they're thinking, to know that they use maybe one set of skills at school and one at home. Despite maybe sounding a little bit grumpy in this podcast, I am really careful, both Rob and I are really careful not to disparage or to say anything negative about the school experience to our kids because of who they are and the challenges that they face, the growth areas that they are encountering in their lives at this point right now, we believe that this school situation is is the best option for them at this point. And so we're their cheerleaders. We're the people who are helping them learn what they need to be successful. And to round out maybe some of those entrepreneurial instincts with the specialized learning that they you know, have access to in high school science and the community and social benefits of being part of a learning environment. So it's important for us, even though sometimes we're not fully on board with everything that happens at school or the way that schools are run, it's still really important for us to really model for our children what it's like to have a great attitude and to jump in and, and do things and operate within the system without getting a chip on your shoulders or feeling like resentful and angry that you don't have the flexibility and creativity that you would ideally like to have. The other thing that makes the school transition time a little bit rough around our house is that it is pretty stressful for our family. And I don't know if it's like this for other families, but for us, it's like lots and lots of meetings, like orientations, back to school night, the kids are each in orchestras. And so each orchestra has a meeting and an introductory meeting. There's meetings about extracurricular activities, which we hardly participate in, but there are still meetings. There's lots and lots of emails. There's lists of things to buy. And I got to be honest, I apologize if I sound like a whiny mother. I'm really not intending to, but it's for like three weeks of the year. It's a part-time job just to get the kids kind of up and going and oriented to what they're supposed to be doing. It's a part-time job just to read the email from the various districts and schools and sort of entities that are now vying for our attention and our child's time. In addition to the time spent, the other part of the transition that I think is really stressful for families is there's just lots of new people and environments to absorb. And particularly for one of our kids who is on the autism spectrum, all of that novelty, all of the newness, the new classrooms, the ways that things are organized, each new face, it takes a lot of mental load for him to process that. And I think to some extent, even neurotypical children, even neurotypical humans are exerting a lot of effort to cognitively orient themselves to a new schedule, a new set of people, a new set of classes, etc. So the first few weeks of school are an exercise in really managing very exhausted children and to some extent exhausted grown-ups who are kind of trying to pull their weight with all of the administrative tasks of school. 
And when kids are exhausted, when they are feeling stressed, one of the quickest ways that they express that stress is really in irritability. Irritability is kind of the, the frontline mental strain expression for children in mid-childhood up through adolescence. Depression often looks like irritability. Angst looks like irritability. Just worry, not sleeping well, of course, leads to irritability. And irritability is not so fun and it can create a lot of conflict within families, especially if parents are misinterpreting it as defiance or as misbehavior, especially when children, but all people feel out of control, feel like choice and volition is being taken from them. They compensate by that by sort of overexerting control over areas where they have some choice. So observing irritable, kind of demanding, extra rigid behavior in kids around this transition is really normal. It's a way that kids express distress in relation to a pretty significant transition. So if your peaceful summary household feels like it's imploding with the beginning of school, and of course, I'm not even talking about masks and COVID rates and any of that conversation, just getting to school alone and shifting from one phase of the seasonal year into another phase can be really, really rough. Take heart. Don't be discouraged. I recommend rolling back as many expectations as you can during these first three to four weeks of school, maybe starting from the week before school starts to the three weeks after it starts. And that for us means uh, kids do a few less chores. Maybe we're a little bit more lenient about some of their other expectations like music practice. There's a few extra evenings spent watching movies all piled up and cuddling together maybe extra phone calls and connections with friends from school so that those relationships can feel like a grounding kind of transitional way to go from home life to school life. And then of course, these very open conversations about like, wow, your brain must be working so hard to get used to all these new kids in your class and get used to what this school feels like and get used to a new teacher. My goodness, your brain's working and doing a lot. And when there's that kind of empathetic recognition, I think that allows kids to be able to say, oh yeah, I am tired or oh yeah, I feel kind of overwhelmed with all of the things that I have to learn or with all the things that I have to remember. Helping kids to name and describe their experience is really important so that they feel like they have language to give to those internal states that do feel a little bit disrupted or overwhelmed. No matter what your particular family school situation is, I think it's important for us all to remember that being a kid is really hard. There are lots of feelings and thoughts circulating in those minds and bodies. And as much as we want to help them do the hard thing and develop grit and stick-to-itiveness, all you entrepreneurial parents, so also do we want to be a soft place to land at the end of the day when... A lot has been asked of them that stretched their minds and hearts and their bodies. I find that a lot of parenting is sort of a dance between these values that are intention, the desire to be really compassionate and tender towards my kids when they're having a hard time, and also the desire to help motivate them to, you know, jump up, get back on the bike kind of thing. 
both are important, both are valuable. And so the work that we have to do becomes our own self-observation of when we're pushing too hard or maybe coddling too much, keeping our eyes open and our ears attuned to what our children need and to what we may be reacting to within them. So we've got one starting middle school, one's in his junior year. So we're uh, buckling up for some big growth and shift and movement in their lives this year. Cheering for you and your family too, as you adjust to another school year. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.